This is our point with Zach and Carmen. Good morning. Morning, sunshine. Here we are again. Another morning recording session. I mean, they're all morning recording sessions. I don't know why we have to keep saying that. There's like because I would like, like f- them to not be morning recording sessions anymore. Well, there's been like three that have been evening recording sessions. All the other ones have been morning recording sessions. Yeah, but these are, I mean, last Thursday we did record at 630. So at least now this is slightly Just, better. Yes. Although yes. I was you're thinking. Supposed to, we're supposed to fake it like the magic of television. Mm. If you're going to be, if we're going to be famous, <laughs> you're going to have to pick up on that. I used to be better at that, and now I've – I don't know. Now we're recording on the same day. Like when we used to record all, both of them on Saturday mornings, then you really had to wait for like people to hear your jokes and then text you and be like, oh, my God, you were so funny today. So when we record on the same day, I do actually appreciate like the instant gratification. <laughs> See, there is pluses. I just don't like the call times. Well, I mean – we could do it other times, but you like I know, are dependent upon working apparently when the rest of us can just have meetings on our calendar. Mm. You are like actually working. About actual working. It is a bummer. Uh, you know, it's not a bummer. My coffee mug today. Oh, it's so pretty. It is pretty. It's a birthday gift from longtime listener of the pod, Aaron Lippert. And it has this beautiful floral pattern on it. And then when you look really closely, it says hungover in a pretty script. I thought it said hung queen for a second. (laughs) I was like, those words don't go together. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) And then I thought about getting drunk last night. So I would be hungover and use the cup. And that seemed like a big commitment too. I was like, that is a level of commitment (laughs) that this podcast is not requiring you to do. I know. Not that Uh, I'm against getting drunk on a Wednesday as... Um, a few of you know, but um, I'm like starting to become curious. I've been at your house many, many a times. <laughs> where do the novelty coffee mugs live? Where do they live? Where Where are they hiding? They're all in that same. The four that I've told you about are all in the regular glasses and cup cupboard. Like on the bottom, or are they way mm-hmm. up on the top hiding? They're on the bottom. I mean, there was a time when we went through that shelf and you like got rid of stuff. Think of all I the know. novelty. These cups are the ones that, that these are the ones that came back. Like these are new ones. <laughs> they came back. <laughs> they just they showed up. <laughs> they knew. What can they I knew say? you needed them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank God you have like a magical cupboard that you can store all these things. This is on. it. This is the end of the novelty mugs. So uh, oh, we either God. need to switch to the evening or cocktails in the morning or well, Someone needs to send me a new mug. That's what I'm I mean. I'm in Minneapolis, so we'll get you some mug shopping in. What do you What do you got over there? Boring white cup. I know. I like feel left out on this because I don't have fun novelty mugs. It's fine. Some of us are just cooler than the others. That's true. Michael, I think, would have a heart attack if I ended up getting <laughs> mugs that were different sizes, different colors. <laughs> um, I don't know how he would organize that shelf of all of our white coffee mugs. <laughs> I mean, it does seem like something that would really throw my glove. It, maybe it's something I should try and do. You know, I so this weekend I'm going to visit our friends, um, Sam and Sam. 
Sam, who was a guest on um, the pod earlier this year, and her husband, Sam, they both have birthdays coming up. So I'm going to go to Minneapolis for an open air tour of the Mississippi River, apparently. I'm pretty excited about it. But anyway, they are novelty mug people. They have that a whole, does not surprise me. They have a whole shelf of novelty mugs. So maybe if Sam would part with one, I could bring one home for next week. You just steal all of their mugs? Did you guys want this? <laughs> Ann Arbor Law School mug? I Could I borrow it? I will it? take it. I'll, I'll mail it back to you. I only need it for one podcast. I only need it for one podcast. I am getting ready to go tent camping, Carmen. And I, I feel like God didn't listen to me because as a child, I made a promise with him that if I was really good, I would never have to go tent camping again because I grew up, I'm sure, with lots of us whose parents forced us to go tent camping, never failed. It rained. There was sand in your tent. It was hot. You get a fucking mosquito stuck in there and you couldn't sleep. That was the worst, the mosquito. Clearly, I wasn't good because I'm, I'm doing it again. Michael said that we're going tent camping, so... I have to like set up a tent in the backyard tonight to make sure I have all the poles because oh, I'd that's be smart. That's learned so smart. that lesson the hard way tent camping that you show up and you're missing a pole. <laughs> so I'm not repeating that. That's what I have to look forward to. That's what I'm thinking about today. Wow. Well, I, I grew up tent camping. My sister, Sarah, who you know, who everyone knows, I assume at this point. <laughs> Everybody uh, we... who listens to this podcast knows her. <laughs> <laughs> we were... We were hardcore tent campers as children. Uh, yes, it did always rain. Rained when you were setting up. It rained when you were tearing it down, which meant that all of your stuff was wet. Yeah. Uh, but Please. like wholesome childhood memories. Wouldn't trade yeah. it for anything. Also, <laughs> wouldn't go as an adult. <laughs> well, pray for me. It will. When, is that that's what you're doing this weekend? That's what I'm doing this weekend as you're cruising well, down the Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah. Being a klepto of coffee mugs, I'm going to be <laughs> camping and sitting there in a wet tent. It does not sound like a good time. Uh, so this week, this weekend, I suppose, I was on Twitter, as I want to do. As you do and it I, daily. As I am constantly on Twitter. And this author that I follow tweeted about how her friend's male assistant is actually just a fake email account she runs because people had called her difficult and impossible for having small windows of availability until he started running interference. And then people just accepted that she was fucking busy and this blew the author's mind. And she was like, I just don't think that I, I don't have the organizational skills to do this, but what should the name of my fake male assistant be? Is it Brian with a Y or Brian with an I? And someone was like, oh, I call mine Logan. No one messes with Logan. And so then here is this Twitter thread of all of these women who are like, oh, yeah, this is totally a thing. I do this. Um, like having to deal with men is what other men like to do and that way you um, can eliminate all of those conversations and then somebody puts in my article for today so it's from fast company and it's an old one 
from 2017, but apparently still wildly relevant, these women entrepreneurs created a fake male co-founder to dodge startup sexism by John Paul Titlow. And it's these two women, Penelope Gazin and Kate Dwyer, and they wanted to start their own online marketplace for weird art. And why, why not? They're based in LA. They just had a couple thousand dollars of their own money, but they were like, okay, this cool project, we're going to do it. But they also faced all of this like sexism and condescension and like, oh, do you think that's a good idea? Oh, what a cute hobby. Uh, But they're like, no, we're totally doing it. And they wanted to put cool homemade things on Etsy versus the like live, laugh, love, you know, knickknacks that are on things like that. And so they were doing really well, but they were still having to kind of deal with vendors and all of this other bullshit, uh, including um, an early web developer they brought on tried to delete everything after one of the women declined to go on a date with him. Well... What a jackass. And so um, outside developers and graphic designers often took a condescending tone. The collaborators, who were almost always male, were either slow to respond, um, short, vaguely disrespectful. One of them started an email with, okay, girls. Uh, Which, why? you know, know we don't like that. So these two women introduced a third co-founder, Keith Mann. M-A-N-N, just overtly, here's what you guys want. An aptly named fictional character who could communicate with outsiders over email. And as the uh, actual co-founder, Dwyer, says, it was like night and day. It would take me days to get a response. But Keith could not only get a response and a status update, but would also be asked if he wanted anything else or if there's anything else that Keith needed help with. What the fuck? I, I just don't I just don't get what these fuckers are doing. <laughs> Isn't it so like it's so interesting. The whole article they just like just pulled out Keith whenever they needed him. It's just and uh so depressing. And she said like we could have got pretty bent out of shape about that, which I feel like would be my inclination. Like, these people are really going to give imaginary Keith more respect than us. But, you know, they took a much more positive attitude and was like, okay, this is just part of the world that we're in. We want to make our project happen. And here is a, like, literally free way they (laughs) figured out how to get over some of these obstacles. So I thought it was very, very clever. Well, yeah, first off, like, kudos to these women who clearly figured out how dumb men are and could create a fake man with an email address and get ahead. But dudes do better. What is going on? I, this reminds me, this article reminds me so much. There is a, um, obviously this article came first, but there is a movie out on Apple TV called the banker. Mm -hmm. And it's basically the story. I mean, it's very, very similar. These two black men, they wanted to buy all of this real estate. And specifically, like looking in California, they were trying to buy homes in white neighborhoods that kind of bordered along the black neighborhoods and to allow like affluent black families to like move into white neighborhoods, right? So so that was their MO. And then eventually they wanted to buy 
buildings that like banks were in because banks wouldn't lend to black folks. So they wanted to, and they couldn't own the bank, but they could own the bank that the, the building that the bank was in. Right. But nobody would let black people buy these buildings. So they hired like a dumb white dude off the street and paid him like $25,000 salary, which was a lot for like the fifties or whatnot to basically be their front to get in and buy all of these banks. So the black people's names were on everything and they were the actual sole owners, but they had to have the white guy walk in to like have the conversations with the buyers. I mean, it, it just, it seemed asinine for the 1950s that black folks would have to do this, let alone women who have ingenious ideas in, I don't know, 2017. Well, let's be honest, 2020, cause it's still happening. <laughs> right. Having to do this. It's just mind blowing that, men are just so dumb and i don't think it's dumb i think it's misogynistic like yes they well, don't that's what i mean about that being dumb like they just don't think that talking to women is worth their time is what it really boils down to well maybe and they're like mike pence they can't talk to a woman unless their wife is there perhaps perhaps and i think that cannot be overstated <laughs> however the and like what we started talking about was this tweet about the male assistant who schedules the time and it just means like they are so much more respectful of the time when a man says i'm sorry she well and that's the thing men wouldn't say i'm sorry she's not available on tuesday the male assistants say your appointment is on thursday see you then yeah. And it's all about like language and Well, respect. the passive language, right? So like getting rid right. of passive language, I think is probably a recipe for success in general to But when women get rid of passive language, then we're a bitch. Yeah, like I think we, you just have to embrace being a bitch. I really well, do. I'm that, I've that's never bothered me. No. I I'd be curious to know too if there's a difference if they have more of a like a general neutral first name. Like if the these people are also silly enough that if their name was Alex and the email came across as Alex Dreyer, would that – what the because when you don't know if it's a woman, maybe they're more apt to act normal um, to somebody who has a good idea and is a tech startup. It's just so sad. Totally. So this the thread on Twitter had a lot of those examples of women who used uh, initials or women who had gender neutral or masculine names. There's a woman here who was like, I used to go by a less femme shortening of my name. I got hired for my first job out of college in a male industry based on resume and email interviews. And when she showed up on their first day, they shit bricks because they couldn't do anything. <laughs> and after she crushed it, they finally started hiring other women. Um, but the number of women on this thread who talk about having fake assistants, there's one where his name is Andrew. And then after a few emails, he, and she's like, we switched to Drew to show that he's down to be chill. And then no one has questioned my freelance rates since Andy took over. And I was like, what mental energy is expended by this woman who is trying to like actually just do her job and make money and she has Andy, her assistant, negotiate rights. And well, I mean, talk about a me. concrete example of women having to work harder to 
just meet the baseline of where men are at. And this is something that men don't ever have to experience. I will say I also watch the show Shark Tank a lot. And mm-hmm. I've been really cognizant of this. Um, as I think it was last season, there is a lady on there named Lori Grenier. She's like the QVC lady, um, if you've okay. ever watched the show. But they have, obviously, it's usually three men, two two ladies in, in the panel, right? The panel of five. And it never fails that they get really great female entrepreneurs that come onto the show. And they pitch their ideas. And all of the men constantly never offer the women any deals, any Shark Tank deals. And she's called them out a couple of times lately, probably because she's more secure and established on the show and has been successful. But I I would challenge anybody who watches that show, because I love it as well, to also watch that as a real example of these men who just never seem to invest in a woman's idea. They'll invest in like crazy men ideas. But whenever like a lady has a kind of like an out of the box idea solution that they are pitching to these sharks, the men are constantly like, I can't relate. I don't relate. So I'm not a good shark. I can't do this. And really just like step up to the plate, like believe in some of these entrepreneurs, these lady entrepreneurs and, and help them out. I just, again, I imagine the tech world is miserable in general and it's even more miserable for women sadly i wonder have they ever done like a blind submission so you don't know if the crazy idea is a man or a woman's and it would be interesting if they took that approach to see like who they would then be interested they, they haven't on the on the tv show they don't do it that way i mean maybe for the audition process i mean they do a really good job of having a good split of folks that are presenting in like every episode right it is i would say it's pretty Mm -hmm. general neutral like on the television show itself i just think when you look at sharks that have invested in women businesses it is almost solely the woman sharks that invest in the woman entrepreneurs it's very rare to see the male sharks invest in the female entrepreneurs and that i think is just something to be to be cognizant of um, as a show. I want that to do better, but it, it speaks to this kind of, you know, the startup, these entrepreneurial worlds. It is so hard for women because men right. are dumb well, and jackasses. And when you talk about that show, it's like those women had to get in the room in the first place to be able to support other women. And so like how far behind are we in millennia? Like having hmm. to, you know, if you always have, a token woman or like you just have to figure out how to get in the room. So then, and I'm sure they feel a responsibility. I mean, a they're investors, so they're not going to invest in shit just because it's a woman's idea. But now they're trying to do for someone else what someone I assume did for them. Totally. Super interesting. Another person that had a, a fake assistant. Uh, (laughs) This person had a fake basically a press secretary, right? Like a publicist is our president, Donald J. Trump. Back in his New York days, he would have a fake person that would call into news media outlets and like give fake interviews only for it to be Donald Trump on the phone. Um, So Donald Trump is also picking up on that, on that tread or thread, excuse me. 
Did that work? Because he has a very specific and recognizable speech pattern. Did people it not? Must have, it must have worked in like the 90s. You know, he would just come up with a weird name. Um, I could Google it and find out what his fake alias name is, but I don't really care that much. But there was an article. This is going to be a short little ditty, but in the HuffPost called Trump's full and complete health plan promise joins a long list of unkept vows by SV date. And this article goes on to talk about specifically, there was an interview with Chris Wallace on Fox News where on July 19th. And they talked about healthcare during the pandemic. And of course, there's an, another lawsuit that the Trump administration is facilitating against Barack Obama's signature uh, legislation, the Affordable Care Act, about repealing it again. And Chris Wallace asked the question about why are you repealing healthcare during the middle of a pandemic when you have no solution? And of course, Donald Trump's solution was we're signing a healthcare plan within two weeks, a full and complete healthcare plan. Of course, we all know that is a bold-faced lie because <laughs> like, healthcare doesn't get passed Because we would know weeks. something about it by now? Yes, we would know something about it. Congress doesn't move that fast. And so this article just talks a lot about Trump giving these like fake two-week deadlines in general, whether or not that is on taxes, immigration, the border wall. There's just a long, long list uh, of these encounters. And Trump basically is a pathological liar, which we are not surprised by. But I do think it is important for everybody to remember that he continually like spews off all of these promises that he is going to fulfill or do. And he usually gives a two-week window for when he's going to do it. So any big announcement is in the next two weeks, in a couple of weeks, we're going to do all these things and nothing ever materializes of it. And specifically with this healthcare lie and this unkept vow, I do want to remind people on this pod that maybe they're not huge fans of the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, which to me just means you bought into all of the fear mongering that was spewed about it for, for years. And I would challenge you to read all of the individual line items of what the Affordable Care Act does, because it pulls really, really well when you take every component um, piece by piece. It only does poorly when it gets thrown into one large piece of legislation together. So, Well, and some of the line by lines include being able to stay on your parents' insurance until you're 26, getting yes. rid of pre-existing conditions. Yes. And as we roll into the the final phase of presidential election, I, I'm sure the healthcare debate and topic and demonizing of the Affordable Care Act is going to continue, but I want to keep it front and foremost. The Republicans have had a long ass time to come up with a replacement plan, to come up with a viable alternative, and they haven't been able to do it at all. They haven't been able to ever come up with a solution to keep kids on their parents' insurance until they're 26, close the denial with pre-existing conditions, close the Medicare prescription drug loophole, the donut. So when they start spewing that they're going to have this great healthcare plan, where the hell is it? Where has it been for the last 10 years uh, on your solution? And also keep in mind that they multiple times have had a Republican-controlled House, a Republican-controlled Senate, and the White House, a Republican-controlled White House. 
So they have all of the tools to actually do something about it and they can't get their own shit together. So keep that in mind, people. (laughs) Um, And one other thing that I think is interesting that this article touches on, of course, Trump's lying again, but how many Republican states, specifically Trump won states since he has become president, have signed into law or been voted on by the people to expand Medicaid, which is a huge component of the Affordable Care Act, which would have made it, if every state would have done it, it would have made the the legislation incredibly successful. But because Republicans were so opposed to Barack Obama and stonewalled Medicaid expansion, which would have covered people who are below poverty lines that desperately need um, medical insurance, that would have been the mechanism to give those folks health insurance. They are doing it on their own. So there have been six states, and most recently Missouri just voted, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, but they just announced it, like, this week. Yeah, well, I think it passed. Like it passed, yeah. Yeah, it was like 54% or something voted in favor of Medicaid expansion, but there's been six Republican states. And Oklahoma did it, like, two weeks ago. Yep, Idaho, Maine, Missouri, Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Utah. And... Uh, Virginia also passed it in the in the legislature. So we continue to see as more and more folks move along, and there has been no alternative to Obamacare put forth by the the Republicans. They're taking advantage of the best components of the Affordable Care Act, and it's making real impacts in people's lives. So every time you hear a Republican a Republican demonize the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare about how miserable it is, the only question I want you to ask them is where's your plan and why when you had a Republican House, Senate, and President, were you not able to actually get anything done? That's all. That is my that's that is it. my that's... that is my rant. <laughs> Zach's advice on how to start a fight. Yes. <laughs> uh there when I woke up, because it what what day do we think it was? Was it Friday? That was the day um that was his two weeks were up. Or maybe yes, it, was it was Sunday. No, okay. yeah. So whatever day that was, I woke up and was on Twitter. Surprise. And people were like, today's the day. Like today's <laughs> the day when Trump promised that he'd have a full health care plan. And people were like, I've already dropped my other health care plan because this is going to be amazing. What do you think's going to be in it? And it was just <laughs> like, well, this is so exciting. And then nothing happened. No. Nope. So. All right. Any- any more coffee. All right. So it's August. And in addition to things we have to worry about, like we got the election coming up. We got school starting. We just have a lot of things going on uh, in the next couple of months. But one of them is Halloween. I love Halloween. I love Halloween too. As particularly when I became a homeowner, the first couple of years that I lived here, I was a campaigner, and those two generally don't mix because you're working very, very hard on October 31st. Uh, But then there was an off year, and I got to hand out candy, and it's just fantastic. But now, with the coronavirus, like, how are we supposed to do Halloween? And so this isn't even news. Like, this is a (laughs) blog. This is some lady's blog, and I decided that it was close enough because I liked it. And so the blog post 
It's called Social Distancing, Stranger Danger, and the Campaign to Save Halloween by Summer Block. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's like summerblock.substack.com if you too would like to read Summer's blog. And it's it's pretty interesting. There was a lot of talk about how we're going to do Halloween, if we're going to cancel Halloween, which is ridiculous. We can't cancel Halloween. We can't cancel Halloween, particularly in South Dakota where we cancel nothing. Like Halloween will probably be exactly the same. <laughs> yes. I mean, kids are wearing masks. Uh, exactly. Uh, for, so for its long history, we talk about like Halloween has been under threat uh, it has been outlawed. It has been threatened by puritanism, urbanism, deforestation, commercialization, overprotective parents, satanic panic, poison candy hoax, uh, and pranks that go too far, pranks that didn't go far enough, mm-hmm. and fear that there may be no Halloween is itself a Halloween tradition. So there was uh, some people talking about, like, how do we think we can do this? Do we... Some people are talking about, like, rigging up a clothesline with candy bars. Do we have, like, a long stick where you can, like, hold out (laughs) to the the bowl of candy? Um, Maybe you do, like, drive up. So um, you can stand on your front sidewalk and throw candy into oh, windows like a parade would be kind of oh, fun. I was like throwing the candy at the kids sounds fun it's a I new agree adventure I, right you just hang out on the sidewalk and throw candy at cars that sounds in it so it's like a reverse parade actually yes, yes um, that's what I want I think that sounds super fun um, so this is actually it's a really in-depth blog post and she goes through and she talks about um, the poison candy and the how People are, you know, oh, I found a needle in my kid's uh, Snickers. And then actually uh, all of those ended up being hoaxes. And so Halloween. She like gives a real good history of Halloween. (laughs) Like there's pulling information from the 1980s. Like she. It was very well researched. Uh, but it just, it kind of, it made me happy. It made me think about something else besides the election and what we're doing. And so um, let's, let's wear our masks and not, and, and take our quarantine seriously. I mean, and as soon outside. as they shut down the schools, let's yeah. keep our kids home and then we can have Halloween. So, I mean, it's, it's outside. So, I mean, maybe we don't do like the indoor mall trick or treats or wherever those are at. Like, Go back to the good old days where you had to walk outside. I'm sure because 2020 is a complete shitstorm, there's going to be a gigantic blizzard or something miserable that happens on Halloween to make it even more. Or it'll be, yeah, it's or it'll be 90 degrees. degrees. Yep. <laughs> or... There's been a lot of talk about that I've seen with people on Halloween and trying to plan their Halloween costumes already. Maybe it's like mm. something fun people get to look forward to. I'd be like, well, you don't get to go to a huge Halloween party in your Halloween costume, adults. So I don't know what you're doing unless you're going to that NSFW club in New York City where (laughs) you don't need very much of of an outfit. But it it reminds me of all of those things that have been said about 2020, the start of the year for holidays and how like 2020 was the perfect year because like Halloween was going to fall on a Saturday and Mm -hmm. 4th of July was on a weekend and... St. Patrick's Day was fun and there was all these Friday the 13th and like everything was going to be great about 2020 and we were going to have like the holidays all fell on the right days and (laughs) And we were all going to make we were stuck in our houses there's the Halloween 
you're, you're trapped. So just another blow to businesses. Um, <laughs> yes. Except in South Dakota where all the businesses are open. So well, you'd be able you- to wear your Halloween costume at Wiley's or Pave or Lucky's. Yeah, um, anywhere. No problem. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 maybe I need to start thinking more about my Halloween costume. I will say... Also, as a campaigner who always had to work on Halloween, because, you know, of course, it was like three days before the election day. Mm -hmm. I never got to do any like fun Halloween stuff as a young adult. Um, And as a kid like you, I grew up in the country. So on a gravel road, there was no trick or treaters. So the biggest joy of my entire life recently, now that I live in Minneapolis, (laughs) is is handing out candy to kids. It is so much fun. I know. It really is the best thing ever. And, and shutting that light off when you decide you want to be done and like hearing them knock on the door and you being like, nope, I'm closed. You missed the window is also weirdly satisfying. Yeah, I, I do enjoy it. I, well, and then I'm in, you know, I'm like hood adjacent. So <laughs> yes. it is uh, like very hood adjacent. <laughs> it's, uh, I feel, I feel happy to be able to hand out candy and, um, well, this we'll year, the- you never know how what kind of like traffic I'm going to get, though. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely still have candy left over from last year that this year's kids are getting. Oh, the last kid to come to the house gets the entire bowl. Like, I'm just done with it. But how do you know it's the last kid? Well, that's it's right before I shut the light off. Mm, mm-hmm. So when I've decided my end time is hit, <laughs> usually I think it's like 830 or something like that. Then maybe it was nine, 839, somewhere in there. Then I just shut the light off and dump sure. the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but you can spend a lot of money on, on candy bars. This last year was the first year that I was here in Minneapolis. And I, of course, wanted to be known as the good house. So I got full-size <laughs> candy bars because that's when you're like, so whoa, fancy. so yeah. fancy. Because you have to cultivate you have to cultivate the amount of children that come to your house every year. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you have to have – because then they're going to talk to their friends. And before you know it, I'm going to have like a line. That's all I want is a line. Uh, of children trying to get my candy bars. But let me tell you, it gets expensive real fast. We'll see what the the COVID guidelines for for Halloween this year end up being. But if you want a place that has really thought of thorough guidelines and is actually doing a much better job of the, you know, corona pandemic death rates and all that stuff is Canada. And mm. mm-hmm something that I was like, oh, I should go to Canada because it is clearly safer. Um, unfortunately, Canada will not let <laughs> Americans into the country because we we don't get to have fun in Canada like the Canadians do. And there was an article in the Miami Herald. Um, it was in other places as well, but it's by Haley Fowler and it's titled Hole in Wall Will Help You Have Safe Sex During Pandemic, Canadian Officials Say. So again, Canada is just out innovative. there, yep. innovative, making sure people are safe, allowing them to have fun extracurriculars, but in a safe and um, supportive manner. So public health officials in Canada issued a new set of guidelines for having safe sex during the pandemic. and. To be honest, the results were were pretty pretty frank. So one of the guidelines for having safe sex, of course, is to avoid or limit the kissing, the saliva exchange, 
makes sense. Don't don't want COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, choose sexual positions that limit face to face contact. Also, mm-hmm. pretty smart. Using condoms, lubricant, dental dams may help to further reduce the risk of minimizing contact. And then this glorious, glorious <laughs> idea of using See barriers. What you did there. Thank you. <laughs> barriers like walls, aka glory holes, that allow for sex, sexual contact but prevent close face-to-face contact. You know, I so of course the internet blew up a little bit because again, much like that NSFW club where some poor city staffer had to come up with guidelines for how to have safe sex at an orgy. I bet that club. was the best like notice that staffer had written in months. <laughs> totally. Like, oh, it definitely so got exciting. the most the most here's attention. what to do on a subway. Here's what to do on the street. Here's what to do at a sex club. Woo woo. Best work day ever. Yeah. Continue. Canada. So the fact that they also maybe there's a lot of glory holes in Canada that I never knew about also. But of course, you know, people were making fun of Canada's guidelines and their public health official made a statement that says when guidelines come out and there's discussion around glory holes and meeting people, whether that's online for, or virtual for masturbation or mutual masturbation, there's always going to be some jest. There is nothing new to sexual health. We talk about harm reduction and minimizing risks all the time, way before the pandemic ever came. What it's about is keeping people safe. I was like, oh, oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Uh, the com- they have several uh, internet takes, um, people responding to this. And like, so the U.S. is falling apart and Canada has glory hole trending. <laughs> Can Canada get any more awesome? U.S. turns masks into a political issue, barely addresses any other risk factors for COVID-19. Canada. You know what? Try using a glory hole just to be safe. <laughs> And I just think it, it, A, it recognizes where people are at. You've been quarantining yes. for a long time. And they're like, okay, we've given this some thought. And here's how we Here's a solution. Here's how I love it. I, I just think it's, uh, it's very Christy Gnome, right? Like use science and data and facts and be innovative and entrepreneurial. And it Christy just Gnome. Takes- all of those all, boxes would be all for the glory holes. I know it's everything that she tells us uh, to do, and it's not new. It's they've been around for a very long time. So, so as you do, you do projects. You're a project person. You, yeah. you have you have a wood shop. You have a lot of tools. So, do you think there were Canadians that were like, "Yeah, I can make that"? Yeah, totally. I mean, I just built a a, a wood fence. I was like, maybe, maybe we need to drill some holes. Why? Well, I, I suppose that at that point it depends on your neighbors. Well, I mean, I think there's one neighbor that talks about it, so maybe he'd, he'd enjoy it. Um, just, just throw a hole in, see what happens. I don't know. But right now, I mean, that's a safe. That's a safe guideline. I'm just following guidelines. Yeah, it's a recommendation from their um, Center for Disease Control. Well, so, and they say I think the worst thing we can ever do is shame people. It's true. Um, Sex is an important part of all people's lives, and it's not something that's just going to stop when there's a pandemic, nor should it for some people that are able to continue in a low-risk way. And there is no lower-risk way of not contracting COVID-19 than sticking your dick in a hole. 
But you can catch other things. So also condoms. Condoms. Sure. Buried. I mean, it goes back to, I mean, now I understand why, you know, like Phil always wants us to go to Canada so much. Like <laughs> I'm on to him now. I understand. I understand what's going on. <laughs> Can't get one past me, Philip. Uh, um, well, on that note, do you have a parting thought today? I do have a parting thought. I have two parting thoughts. This is like a common trend. When you start writing them down, you like, now I just have a long list of parting thoughts. <laughs> one is there was, I think it was the end of last week, maybe over the weekend, that New Jersey federal judge whose family was shot by, you know, mm-hmm. a case that somebody, there must have been a bounty on her, but they had, it was the FedEx man that showed up at our house and shot her husband and killed her kid as she was in the basement. She had a really, really strong video message that they released basically asking for additional security and the reality that we live in a more connected world right now. And so you have these, all of these federal judges who are overseeing really dangerous cases with some dangerous folks in general and protecting their identity and not putting their home addresses and all of this stuff all over the internet. And also stepping up the federal's respo- the federal government's responsibility to protect these families. And they really are sitting ducks. So I would encourage folks that maybe have followed that story or remember hearing it to go watch. I think her, her, her direct-to-camera video was like a couple of minutes, but it's incredibly powerful. And the strength of this, um, the first Latino federal judge to, to talk about what, you know, her family was targeted. Her son, her only son was murdered. Um, it's really profound. And then it also just came out today. Michelle Obama is amazing. She has a new podcast, which is is pretty great. But she also just admitted that she's going through depression during the pandemic. And something Michelle. that she's struggling, I know, struggling with and that, you know, it's normal and times are hard. And so if you're struggling, Michelle Obama's struggling. And she just let the world know. And I just love her so much. So well, that's nice. Go buy her book and give her some more money. Go becoming. Watch her documentary on Netflix. It is book. warm and fuzzy. Have you listened to her podcast? I have not. I listened to the first one of her. Of course, her first guest was Barack. And the way they talk to each other, it's so cute. They're so comfortable. And it just shows another layer, I think, of them obviously detached and out of office that they can just be more carefree. So I thought it was a really good insight into what life in their house is like. Nice. I, well, I also have two. So take that. Okay. So Samantha B actually has a new podcast and all these people are copying us. It's I write because ours was first before Michelle's and Samantha B's. Get an original idea, people. I found Samantha B or one of her guests was Jen uh, Gunter, who's like the unofficial OBGYN of Twitter. And so I've been following her for years and that was a pretty, and they're both Canadian. And so that was kind of in a fun interview. Um, but her interview this week is my like girl crush, Connie Schultz. Oh, yep. Who I adore. Um, she is a Pulitzer prize winning journalist and author. And also she happens to be married to Senator Sherrod Brown out of Ohio. And I have just followed her and loved her for years. But what's so funny, because she's she is a journalist, so Sam is trying to interview her. And then Connie was like, well, that's also, you know, similar to how you grew up. And then just starts interviewing 
Samantha B like during their conversation and it was such a subtle shift and she's like well yeah my grandma actually raised me and then like Samantha B starts telling you about her childhood and it was <laughs> really entertaining because I don't know if like they noticed that was happening at the time or so it was just kind of a, a fun conversation um, but I met up with some friends I don't know this week sometime on a rooftop patio in Brookings and I was trying to talk one of them. I was telling them all about our podcast and, and how like funny and smart and entertaining we are. And I was like, you, your business should sponsor our podcast. And then we haven't actually asked for sponsorships in um, mm. a couple months, really. I know we talked about it at the beginning. So if you would like to sponsor one of our episodes, we will record your ad and um, you will give us money. I'll plug that shit all day long. Yeah, you'd give us money and then we'll talk about your business. And uh, I think it could really be a beautiful relationship. So if you're interested in sponsorships. God, that does sound like a beautiful relationship. Please let us know. I'll put your name on a coffee mug. Ooh. The there links we go. I'll go for And then we'll sponsors. talk about you twice during. <laughs> so if you're interested in a sponsorship opportunity, 605 215 one zero four three you can also text us and tell tell us how you feel about the glory hole article mm -hmm. whether or not um, you're also going to move to canada mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um did anybody text us any more top um, sheet pro or cons no top sheet i don't remember what we talked about in the last episode because my sister sent a text message i i had a look a lot <laughs> at the, the number i was like who is this oh it's my sister she says, I was a waitress for six years, and one time I got slapped in the ass, handed $5, and the guy walked away. So I don't know what – do you remember what we talked about in the previous That was pod? the tipped minimum wage, Herman Cain. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Actually, your so, sister was a waitress at Cubby's, which is where I was this yes. week. Yes. So fuck that guy. Because I'm sure she definitely. deserved way more than 5 bucks. So, Abby, uh, when you become 100% a doctor – you don't have to put up with that shit. Actually, that's probably true. There's a ton of misogynism in yeah, medicine. That's actually not true. Sorry, Abby. I wanted, I don't we wanted see it getting to say better. it gets better, but <laughs> move to Canada. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, All right. I'll talk to you later. Chat later. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to Our Point. To stay up to date and for links of the articles that we discussed in this podcast, join us on Facebook and Twitter at Our Point Podcast. If you have articles that you would like us to discuss, feel free to tag us on Facebook or Twitter, or you can also email us at ourpointpodcast at gmail.com.